You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to our first recap of the football season. Check us out, mwcwire.com. That's where we do our, all of our football stuff and basketball, too. Jeremy Moss with Matt Kennerly. Facebook, Mount Wire, Twitter, all that fun stuff. But we had the first weekend, and for us, it was a good uh, test ride since we had three games spread out through the whole day. And you know what? I think for the conference as a whole, you know, I think the Mountain West uh, turned out pretty well, all things considered. I think it did probably... Well, I was going to say better than what I thought, but 2-1 and one is what I expected. Nearly had, for a brief moment, 3-0. and oh, For a brief moment. Well, what's important is we were both 3-0 and oh against the spread. Let's not let's not overlook that. Exactly. Um, I should, oh crap, I should pull up those picks, but we were 3-0 and oh against the spread. What did we pick for the score versus San Jose State? Uh, did we, um... I don't remember if we had an exact score. Of course, people can go back to our, you know, either our whole preview or our specific to San Jose State South Florida preview and check that out yeah speaking of those previews and stuff what we're going to do that for most previews we'll we'll debate about the FCS previews next week we may just lump those into one because there's like seven of them preview we'll break it up recap you get us for the full hour or however long we decide to record I have the scores here really quick what was the spread for the uh, San Jose State game? Did it end up being 22? We, well, we went as if it were 22. Okay. You didn't, it, you picked 40 to 20, so you were incorrect. Oh, I was. Yes, and I went 38-17, so I was also incorrect. Oh, dang. Okay, so we were 2-1, and one, but still, you go 2-1 and one every week, you're still making a lot of money in Vegas, so... 60, 66% winning percentage right there. That's what I call it. Counting that as a win for us. Always. So it's, yeah, the games, it was a good weekend. What would you grade the overall weekend? I would give it probably a solid B. You know, even though San Jose State, well, which we'll get into in a little bit, you know, they showed for about a quarter and they, you know, threw a scare into a ranked team. And I think that that counts for something. And then as far as, you know, the other two teams, you know, Hawaii, one one of the things I brought up during our team preview in the offseason is, you know, last year they learned how to win on the road. And yesterday was kind of a testament to the fact that they didn't forget how to do that. And then for Colorado State, you know, hard to imagine that opener at that new stadium going much better than it did. I was a bit, we'll get to that, we'll start that game in a second. I was a bit concerned in that first quarter. Just wasn't going extremely well. But I would... I'd be about the same as you because the Rams probably won more than I thought they would because we both picked, predicted a 10-point victory. I thought Hawaii would have had a much easier time versus UMass. And then San Jose State, while the score was a 20-point 20, 20, 20 difference, 22-point mm-hmm. difference, they played better in that first quarter. And then, let me be honest with you, we'll get to that game, but I was bored in the second half. Sorry, folks. I was. That's okay. You don't have to apologize. It was punt... I'm just saying it was punt after punt after punt. First quarter was exciting. Yeah. First half was exciting. 
I, you don't get that every time, but it's like, give me some drives, folks. I don't want three and out by the, it wasn't just San Jose state. South Florida had one or two drives, but outside of that, they were just punting four five, six play drives. But I'd get about a B. I do like, um, you saw Chris Andres' tweet about the uh, grading the weekend in emoji style. I did. He, I think, uh, San Jose state with the, what is, what is that officially called? Whatever. The, I believe it is just called the shrug. The shrug. Like, eh. True. Yeah. And he he goes Rams on fire, of course. Hawaii with the I guess he took Robert Kikalula's thing a little bit. Rainbow's a thumbs up and then Yeah, that was a good weekend. I'd say I'd give about a B. Just about just um yeah, a B above passing grade because two and one teams did well. And let's get to the game. So we start with Colorado State and uh Oregon State. Okay, so let me let me start by asking you this, because I watched I watched the whole thing. Okay. You know, after watching that first quarter did you expect that the game, that the result of the game would be as lopsided as it was? I did not because you saw Nick Stevens get that huge hit. And I'm like, oh, crap. Because he took a shot and he wasn't doing particularly well throwing the ball in the first little bits. But, and then you see Oregon State where when they're throwing the ball, they had um, they overthrowing guys like they're wide open guys for the Beavers that they were his missing, and they had over the top quite a bit open. Like there could have been a few plays, a big a big difference had they had they been more accurate throwing the ball. But I did not expect it to be as big as a victory for the Rams. But the Rams, you mentioned on Twitter, the running game, the offensive line is better than I thought because they have Jake Bennett there, but they missed a few other guys from last year who graduated. That offensive line was just amazing. They just threw around Oregon State after that, basically, what set midway second quarter on. They had their way with them. Yeah, I mean, it was almost like a tale of two halves, you know, or even even more than that, like a tale of like the first quarter and then the three quarters after that. Because you know what you noticed early on was that you know Oregon State, they you know, I guess first of all credit to the Rams for mostly containing Ryan Nall. I thought that they would try to make him a focal point of the offense, much the same way that they did last year. And, you know, he had an okay game. Like he ended up uh, I'm trying to look it up right now. You know, he ended up with 119 yards on 15 carries, which, you know, on paper doesn't sound great, but you know, they eventually made it lopsided. What I noticed early on was that the Beavers were having a lot of success throwing the football. And to me, that was really troubling, especially like that first touchdown, for instance, to uh, Hernandez, where it was more or less a blown coverage. And the dude was like wide open by about 10 yards or something like that. You know, in the first quarter, they got most of their first downs with the passing game. And they ended up getting about 116 yards through the air. And, you know, coming into the season, I had a question, you know, about how well this defense would be able to hold up if it was going to be the kind of situation where the offense would have to put up a lot of points because the defense was kind of a bend but don't break kind of thing. But then you started to see that change a little bit in the second quarter where, you know, they were able to kind of clamp down a little bit on Luton. They were able to, you know, start asserting themselves on offense a little bit. And that was really where Nick Stevens started breaking out. Because if you look at that second quarter, he was 8 of 11 for 111 yards. I was going to say, I think that's what you want the offense to be. And then by the time they got to the third quarter, that's when everything started clicking on all cylinders. Here's what I'd say about the changes they made defensively. They allowed for a good while 
to because like I mentioned, it is over the top passes. Like Jake Lut- Luton still had three hundred yards in this game. Yeah, they were there was a lot of underneath stuff. Like they were going to give up eight, ten, twelve yards, like a little across the middle passes. They they were doing their best to not get beat over the top. Yeah. Even with that, there was like long passes, 25, 39, 34, 20 plus yard passes. Uh, well, well, one's Ryan Nall, so it's kind of a screen there. But they were not, after the first quarter, when they noticed they could go deep, they were doing what they could to keep everybody underneath. And they were fine giving up six to 12 yard passing plays, essentially, just don't yeah. get beat on the big one. And that's that could be an issue when they're playing like Cedric Wilson, when they're playing, um, who knows what CJ Johnson could do at Wyoming, when they're playing teams like that can go down the field and pass the ball. Even Utah State, if they're going four or five wide with Ronquavia and Tarver and everybody in that David Yost offense, this that could be a concern if they're going to go deep and they can't – they don't have five cornerbacks or five defensive backs, I should say, back there to stop. So that's something I want to see change. But the defense stepped up. Five turnovers. They had a pick six. They did a lot of good things defensively. But there are some concerns like that big first big running play, that 75-yarder. Because um, they stopped Ryan Null after that. He had 115, but after that one play, he was shut down. Basically, I think he had, what, 10 yards in the second half, I think, if that's not very many. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they're missing Kevin Davis is a big deal, but they made plays like you had Kevin Nutt Jr. Or, sorry, wrong person, wrong player, sorry, wrong thing. <laughs> Look at the wrong one. I thought it's an interception, but they had a lot of guys who make tackles, TFLs. They had, what, half a sack, one full sack in the game, six tackles for loss. They were doing good things. I think their rushing defense is fine, even though if you that 5.2-yard a- average given up is a bit misleading because that 175-yarder, take away that or even give them half of that, they only had 150 total yards rushing the ball. So it's basically one well, yeah, Okay, so here's what I'm encouraged by. And you mentioned it already, and it's the fact that they were way more opportunistic than they've shown themselves to be in the last couple of years. Because if you look back, you know, across 2015 and 2016, they've been kind of in the middle of the pack as far as, you know, turnovers forced and stuff like that. So to me, you know, the, the heads-up play that Trey Thomas made in, in returning that pick six was obviously very, very well done. But, you know, they forced a couple of fumbles. You know, they, like you said, they had five total turnovers in all. And I think that, you know, if they are going to give up a lot of yardage in some points, as a Rams fan, I would be encouraged by the fact that they were able to, you know, force plays or create plays in a way that they weren't always able to do in the last couple of years. If they have that going for them, you know, that sets up the offense to be more successful. And though they didn't always take advantage of the opportunities opportunities that the defense created like they had you know a field goal in the first half when they started at their own 10 or when they started at the Oregon State 10 yard line you know they weren't able to move the ball but they got three points you know if they can still do that like if they can force interceptions if they can create fumbles that's going to make this offense really hard to beat it will be and I still I'm still leaning because it's obviously one game and Oregon State might win only four games this year they looked, they looked okay at times, but I'm still of the opinion that mm-hmm. the offense is going to need to do more to get to victories and say, defense. Like, I don't see his defense winning them games. Yeah. If somebody stops this offense and holds them to 21 points, I don't know if they can get a victory by only scoring 21 points. Well, Maybe, mean, but... You're definitely right about They that, give 27 yeah. to Oregon State team, that's not that great, I don't think. I would say... It, and it's still early, too, so it's like... what. Based off last year, like 
when they played San Diego State, yeah, they put up 60 points, but they also gave up 30 to an Aztec offense that, okay at times. Nothing, obviously, Donald Pumphrey, they run the ball very well, but not an explosive offense by any means playing for the Aztecs. And, like, this game was close. Like, the score, because I finally, I was a little bit behind, so I wasn't live tweeting throughout it, but this game was a bit closer than I thought. Like, yeah, they won 58-27, but it was still... I thought the Beavers had a few chances to maybe get back in this game, even though fourth quarter, those last couple touchdowns at the end put it away, but they were still reasonably close when you look at it, kind of going score by score a little bit. Because if you look at it, it was still 37-27 with 12 minutes left in the game. Yeah. Credit to the Rams for stopping Oregon State from getting any closer, but it was still a 10-point game with 12 minutes left, but then the Rams bust off three touchdowns to make it look like which which was a dominant victory and scoring 24 points the final quarter. I just want people to realize, like, while the Rams played very well, they were still it wasn't really in hand until near the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, the flip side to what I was saying about, you know, being encouraged by the turnovers they were able to create, it's also worth pointing out that Oregon State was 10 of 16 on third downs. And, you know, if you look at last year's numbers they had a similar kind of struggle getting off the field on third downs they were actually next to last in the conference in opponents third down conversion rates so you know yeah they can celebrate the victory i think mike bobo gave him 12 hours to celebrate the win and so they're already back to business by this point but you know that's something to keep an eye on because you know as opportunistic as the defense looked yesterday you know if they can't get off the field more often that's where you might start running into trouble in some of these other games later on this year. Yeah, because they, like I said, they gave up. I think ESPN has an error in their stat page. They say Colorado State had zero first downs, zero That's for zero right. on third downs. <laughs> I think I I looked at like, wait a minute. But yeah, like the Beavers moved the ball, 23 first downs. You're right, 10 of 16. They had 450 yards. Like, when they play Colorado, they play them Friday night. The Rams play CU mm-hmm. on Friday night. So I need to find a way to get Pac-12 Network. So I got to look into that. As maybe I'll sign up for Sling or something for a week or whatever channel gets it. But they're, they're fine. It's like, they got the victory. It's like, what else do you want? They almost scored 60 points to get to Pac-12 team. And their defense had five turnovers. There are concerns. I would say the biggest my, – my biggest surprise, because we don't need to spend a million hours on all these games here, my biggest optimistic about this optimistic about well, first off, I put out some predictions. Michael Gallup blew it away, eleven for one thirty four. First of all, he his touchdown streak snapped, but they did pretty well throwing the ball to him and everybody else. And I guess I sort of right with Olabasi Johnson having a big game, had a sixty six yards receiving. But my biggest thing in this game was how the offensive line paved the way, but also this Rams. I'm gonna say it right now, this Rams rushing attack. It's not going to rival New Mexico or Air Force in yards per play or even total yards, but this might be the deepest running back group in the conference. Dale and Dawkins did pretty good with 67 yards. Richard Body, which apparently my, um, Bobo loves him when you hear Aaron Taylor or Rick Neuheisel talking about uh, with Bobo about Bo- Body, he had 56 yards. He could have had about 80 because near the end of the game he fell. His hand hit the ground about five yards out. Could have had about 20 more. He came out of nowhere, redshirt freshman. Marvin Kinsey, who I was still skeptical he would play or play much because of the knee injury back in December, had 34 yards. Izzy Matthews was the bulldozer, did okay, 28 yards, but 
those guys four deep, who can rival that rushing attack overall? Like, they can put in almost anybody and do a good job after one game. Yeah, Matthews didn't get the carries, I thought, but he still got key first downs that had a touchdown late in the game. Or not late in the game, but short what short yards touchdown. Sorry, that, that was a – Kinsey, you got the late touchdown. Sorry, but, like, who goes four deep that has this much talent? Because Izzy Matthews was considered – one of the best running backs in the conference, and he only had 28 yards in this game. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point to kind of add to that point. You know, what we talked about in the preview is, like, I didn't think there would be one guy getting 20 carries in this game, but they all got at least eight. And, you know, at least in my opinion, we got at least, you know, from the from the mind that brought you hashtag throwbows last week, <laughs> um, could we, can we start the hashtag bodied? Because did you see that dude run people over? Yeah. Redshirt freshman tearing it apart. So Rams fans, feel free to use that at your leisure next Saturday and every other Saturday after that. Because I think, you know, this, like you said, this running game is deep. It's dangerous. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I did, like I know during spring or not during spring, but fall, they mentioned Bodie or body. And there was some other guy. I don't recall. He didn't get in the game to play, but he if he does that and they're playing CU, they're playing against David Moa, Boise State. They're playing against if they play San Diego State or like Wyoming's linebacker group's pretty good, like with uh, Logan Wilson or Carl Granderson up on the front there. Utah State should have a good defense. It's gonna be a hard time to stop if you can mix in whoever. I the only thing I'd like to see is more carries to Matthews, but I was thinking like twenty five carries between Dawkins and Matthews combined, 20, 24 close enough. But I thought Matthews would have done a bit better, but he did his job. Got the first down and a touchdown, but like who could like maybe New Mexico with Richard McQuarles or whoever or whoever else you're gonna put out there, Tyron Owens. UNLV is a good one two punch, Lexington Thomas, Charles Williams, but going four deep, nobody. You're probably right. Any last thoughts on this game? I think we're probably all set to move on. Wait, oh wh- wait, sorry, one thing I want to mention here. The Twitter one Twitter feed you guys should follow, at least after the game, like Pro Football Focus, the college version, that's PFF underscore college. They grade all these games out. And the one matchup we're looking at, uh, who was a Michael Gallup and Xavier Crawford. Yes. Or um No, sorry, not Crawford. Um It was Xavier Crawford. Let's look at the pregame one. They matched up, it looks like uh four times. Gallup had three receptions for sixty three yards against uh, Crawford who I talked to the guys from Rivals over at, was it Beaver's Edge, that he's, and you mentioned it as well, going to be a pretty good prospect at the pro level. You also had run stopping. Josh Watson was the player of the game with five run stops on defense. And then they also had Nick Stevens, uh, their clean pocket, QB rating, whatever their thing is, 134.8. So he had Watson, Trey Thomas, and Dalton Fackrell as the top-rated players from Pro Football Focus for the Rams side. So, Congratulations. You ready to go to to Amherst, Massachusetts, I guess? Yes. Nick Rolovich is the best coach in college football. Is that can we already agree on that? That might be a little bit hyperbolic. But <laughs> but continue. You know why? He doesn't like to punt. I don't go 5,000 miles to punt the ball. Well, no, of course not. Why would you do that? Just saying, his quotes and everything he does, he's the coach I want to, I'd like to talk to all the time, if possible. He wanted to bring a monkey to media, Dave. He settled for Elvis. That's still a pretty good consolation prize. So this game, were you surprised it was this close? 38-35, Hawaii won. 
they had a, a late drive to uh, get to victory, but this Hawaii team didn't inspire all that much for me in this game being as close as it was. It, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a weird game, though, when you think about it, because especially early on, Hawaii was moving the ball on offense just about at will, but they were doing a lot of really dumb things in that first half. Like, um, you know, Drew Brown, his only interception of the game was kind of a it was it was a really ill-advised pass down the sideline to Amon Barker and it was underthrown and Isaiah Rogers was like all over it for the interception but even more than that in that first half I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how the penalty breakdown was I'm trying to look at what they had overall I do know because I actually had to sound up in the second half they had on that final drive there is a one a penalty for Hawaii and it was late in the fourth quarter. They said that was their only penalty in the second half. I think it was like a false start or something. Yeah, so they had nine penalties overall for 88 yards. And I know for a fact that 80 of those yards came in the first 20 minutes of play. <laughs> and Sounds know, about that right. was with, yeah. you know, Fred Ulu Perry, you know, swiping at one of the UMass defenders. And that was with Chris Posa punching a UMass defender in the helmet and getting ejected. Yeah. So it was it was just really weird at first. But, I mean, on the whole, you know, you look back at what the Warriors were able to do on offense, especially. You know, Brown had almost 400 yards and three touchdowns, including that long touchdown run, catch and run to John Ursua. You know, and we know for sure that Hawaii probably has a new number one receiver because Ursua had 12 catches for 272 yards. And, you know, St. Juiced had an okay game. He, you know, he had 23 carries for 80 yards. To me, what I was a little bit disappointed in was the fact that Massachusetts had a lot of success on offense as well. Yeah, they, they, they we thought they'd play two quarterbacks, but Andrew Ford played pretty well. They only brought in Ross, was it Comus, for a little bit, one for four, but nearly 280 yards for a Ford who played last year. So I was expecting him to play more than, than Conus there, but they moved the ball. They ran the ball. Okay. But like passing the ball, same thing. Adam Brenneman had 180 yards. They averaged 13 yards of reception. And I was thinking with Hawaii's defense who they have back there. It's secondary is pretty good, but UMass is not going to be a good team. I maybe, maybe I underestimated the travel not being an issue, even though they were on the East coast for about a week. Like, they went to New York City, they drove up, and so, like, on Tuesday, they'd been there for a while to get acclimated. And being week one, like, and we look at the numbers for defense, like, uh, Johnny Tavai did pretty good. Two tackles for loss, two sacks, 13 total tackles. They had seven, four sacks, seven TFLs, a couple pass breakups, but UMass shouldn't be scoring 35 points. They're not a very good football team. Well, I mean, let's not forget, though, that this was the same UMass team that scored 40 points against this defense last year to close out 2015. True. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, yeah, the, you know, Hawaii had four sacks. But even beyond that, you know, if you watched the game, you saw that Andrew Ford was under a lot of pressure a lot of the time. So I think if you're going to be encouraged by anything as a Warriors fan, you're probably encouraged by that. I'm not sure that they would want to blitz so much anymore because it seems like when they were bringing five guys and six guys, that was when Ford was able to get the ball to someone like Brenneman or Andy Isabella, who you know contributed to the majority of their offense as they did m- more often than anybody last year. So you know it's kind of like a it depends on how you decide to perceive you know the performance because yeah they gave up a lot of yards but they made a lot of plays. 
and gave themselves an opportunity to win the game when it mattered most. Like, look, going through a game, like, we mentioned about punting and all that fun stuff, but the biggest play of the game was clearly, uh, where did it go? I would, um, I thought he had a fourth. Did they have a fourth? Oh, here it is. The fourth down conversion. Like, they end up with a field goal. It's fourth and one at midfield. They go for it. They get a big five-yard play. Then they go for it on twice, fourth and two at the 37. They went for it two times. They only got the field goal because they got to the 12, but there's a risk you got to take. You're on the road. You're playing UMass. You're playing UMass, who's not a very good team. Hawaii's supposed to be maybe seven-win minimum team this year, and they got the, got the job done when they needed to. Like, we joked about, oh, don't punt and all that stuff, but that fourth and two play there at the 37-yard line, I was chatting with um, good buddies from Forgotten Five on DM and on Twitter. He's like, how how does uh, John Ursa get downfield so wide open on that fourth and two play? He did a basic play across the middle and left him wide open for a huge was it 23 yard gain. Yeah. Like how do you get how does that guy get open? How do you not hit him off the line? Why don't you do a bump and run or do something so he can't have a clean route? And he up the middle, slant right, middle of the field there's no safety there to be in front, no linebacker stepping back or anything. Note to Mountain West defense to be able to push John Urs off the line or do something, but that was a key play. They only got a field goal and then their defense came up big like you mentioned like the way Andrew Ford was moving the ball and throwing it. They had that huge sack on it was third and ten. Ford tried to extend the play, had to basically took it was a sack, slide, whatever. He basically not gave himself up, but there was nothing he could do. He just kinda of fell down. Got a sack, fourth and eleven. They punt, they go down the field, they got good field position, and just drove down the field, throwing to different guys like Ursa, Barker, the quite a few things down the field. Then there's the one false start. On the uh oh sorry the Ursa fifty two yarder then the one penalty in the second half first and goal to seven false start it's like are you kidding me but St Juice did his thing and they got finally got the touchdown and they were victorious so it's a it's a win come on what are you gonna complain about too much it wasn't the prettiest performance in the world especially early on you know one of the things that I mentioned you know during the game was the fact that. You know, last year Hawaii was just about a top ten team in turning trips inside of the forty into points, and especially early on, I believe their first four possessions inside the forty, you know, turnover on downs, touchdown, punt after a whole bunch of penalties, turnover on downs. So you know, while they were able to you know travel six thousand miles and get a win, you know, the offense showed a lot to me. I think. And the defense did make a couple of plays. Let's not forget about, you know, Solomon Matautia's, you know, he had an interception, right? Uh, there was one interception by, oh, I don't have it in front of me. I just see interception. Sorry. I believe it was Matautia. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, there it is. Very Bob. Correct. So, yeah. um, so, I mean, you know, the defense showed a capability to make plays. wasn't perfect. You know, they probably have some things to work on, but, you know, all things considered, I think that Hawaii fans are probably really happy with how that game turned out. They should be. They fumbled the ball a couple of times, but so did UMass. And again, it's it's a long travel. UMass isn't that great, but when's the last time you've seen Hawaii have to come from behind too often to get a victory like yes. this against any level of competition? The close game last year versus UMass, uh, the Air Force game in overtime, not very many. It's particularly they're not at home and they don't play well at home just because one last mention travel and all that stuff and just a road game in general teams usually don't play as good unless you're a really yeah. good team away from home so it's a they're one and oh and congratulations to hawaii there you go 
All right, you ready for the final game of the weekend? Let's do it. So maybe I should have uh, not watched this game at all because San Jose State, South Florida, that's the game we're talking about. I was uh, busy doing stuff. I'm like, okay, I got the game on DVR. I was kind of watching the Hawaii game because I couldn't really stop and record it at all. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I was again. My plan was to not watch this game very much at all because the final score outcome is kind of what I expected. However, you, you messaged me, like, hey, you watched the game? I'm like, oh, in a minute. Find out 16 to 0, San Jose State's up on South Florida. I'm like, oh, okay, let's go to my DVR. Craps out for 25 minutes through all the points, except for like a field goal. So it's your fault the wheels came off then? Exactly. I came back and people said, get out of here. South Florida's moving the ball. And I jokingly said, oh, I'll go make a roast. It'll take me four hours. I didn't make the roast, and San Jose State lost by 20 points. Oh, but could have been not to that first quarter, right? This team, like, they were moving the ball. Like, it's hard to know what's going on at fall camp because nobody covers the team, and we do do our best to listen to coaches. And we, have, we had Anna at the game there tweeting and covering it for us with her recap and everything else. She was very surprised as well. I was very excited. Like, she went to San Jose State. What? She's like, what's going on? It's 16-0. This is crazy. But they moved the ball. Like they want you want to talk fast football. I haven't seen a team move this fast. What's it, Chip Kelly to Oregon, really? Or maybe Mike Leach when he doesn't want to kneel the ball in the Mexico Bowl or something when he's playing uh, Colorado State. Honestly, it kind of reminded me of seeing Tulsa in person last year. But I mean to count I mean to counter that point though, I'm not sure that they were moving the ball all that successfully because even when you I know, said fa- I said fast, not not necessarily successfully fast. Oh, oh, that's true. That's true. You did s- semantics, right? Um, but I mean, even early on, what they were essentially doing was taking advantage of some serious field position advantages. You know, their two touchdown drives were only forty-seven and six yards, and you know maybe if they had been able to turn that first opportunity that they had, where they kicked the field goal from I believe the ten-yard line. If they had turned that into a touchdown, you know, maybe then it could have been even more interesting than it was. But, you know, it took them nearly the entire game to put together a drive that went more than 47 yards. And, you know, I thought that if San Jose State was going to have a chance of winning this game, they were going to need to probably lead with their ground game. And if nothing else, I was really disappointed with how that turned out because... Malik Roberson's Moore Ziegler, you know, combined had 28 carries and 81 yards against a team like South Florida, where you're looking for that kind of upset bid. That's just not going to get the job done, and it put much pressure on Josh Love to make plays, and he just wasn't up to it. He made a few plays here and there. Only had two touchdowns, but three. Like the second quarter on, three interceptions, only completed 50. percent They brought him on until Aaron late in the game. Who had a nice touchdown pass, seven to thirteen. It it's a running game. It's like that needs to be better because overall, when you combine the two quarterbacks, they're just okay, fifty percent. And they held like South Florida. Their offense didn't do all that great. Quint, Quentin Flowers did pretty good, two hundred twelve in the air, but he only had seventy rushing yards, which for him, he had sixteen hundred last year. So it's, they held him pretty well and had only one long of twenty two. So they held him in check overall, but. They over they we know the rushing defense in general hasn't been good for Spartans. Gave up three hundred yards on the ground overall. They held Flowers okay, but like Tice, Dernis Johnson, who ran over people like crazy with that fifty yard run, 
They give up a few too many big plays, but their defense, like making plays, mm-hmm. like the turnovers and those type of things, the special teams, surprised me a bit. And that's going to be a way that if they're going to upset a team here and there, and I think they're going to be better than people think because maybe South Florida's terrible and they just got together in the second half because so is San Jose State. But if they could stop teams defensively like they did versus in South Florida, at least in the first quarter, make their special teams plays. But you can't go, like you said, that first field goal, they only went five yards. They can't – they need to sustain some drives, and that's where you're right. Roberson or Monroe or even Ziggler running the ball needs to do something to sustain drive because defense gets tired out there. You can't go three and out every time and put your defense back out there. That's already not very good. Yeah, and I mean, in our team preview for the Spartans, you know, one of the things that I mentioned was I like the playmakers that they have at wide receiver. Like, I think, you know, guys like Bailey Gaither, who, you know, how many yards did he have? Like 60 yards? 100. He had 100 yards. No, I was trying to remember if it was him or Trey Hartley at 100 yards. But, you know, you could see that they have guys who can make plays. But, you know, when Love wasn't getting any help from the running game, especially in that second quarter, that's when he really started getting into trouble. Because if you look at the, you know, the play breakdown, they only had 29 yards on 10 carries in that second quarter. And, you know, Love was, you know, he was fine in the first quarter. He was 8 of 15, didn't have any turnovers. But he had those two back-breaking interceptions in the second quarter that really changed the tenor of the game. Kind of reminds me of the Utah game a little bit last year where, it was pretty close in that first half, first quarter or so, where I'm like, how are they beating Utah? How is it this close? How are they doing this or that? Yeah. This kind of reminds me of that, and then it's kind of the wheels fall off. One thing I would like to note, very positive, only one sack allowed by that San Jose State offensive line. That's true. That is a huge step in the right direction. Because they had 50, I want to say, last year. so like three a game, four a game almost. And then, like we mentioned, the defense, while not doing very great, doing very well stopping the run, they still had 11 tackles for a loss and three sacks of their own. And six pass breakups. That's a pretty big, like, the defense was making plays and getting out there. It's just that South Florida, oh, a, they gave up a few too many big plays, like the 50-yard run by Johnson for a touchdown. They had a 50-yard receiving pass to a Marquez Valdez-Gartling or a 49 pass to a Temiel Alaka for a touchdown. Too many big plays they gave up. Had they contained those, maybe South Florida drove down the field and they would have won 30-22 to 22 or a, a 10 or 12 or 14 less points because of that. That's where the defense needs to come in and not give up those huge plays. Yeah, because especially like in the first quarter, kind of going back, you know, it was the first quarter and then it was everything else, right? So in that first quarter, USF had 17 attempts and only 22 yards on the ground. But if you kind of look at what they were able to do over the course of the entire game, they ended up running for about 315 yards. You know, that they really kind of broke out in that second quarter when they had 174 yards on the ground. That's not going to get it done. I'm sure Brent Brennan and his staff aren't pleased that they were basically getting gashed on the ground and, and allowing the Bulls to kind of assert their will against this front seven. So I would expect them to you know, focus on that when they start thinking about their game against Cal Poly next weekend. So let me ask you this. Where would you um, – because we, have, we haven't really done our power rankings, but San Jose State – projected last and they're or near the bottom in that mountain west division was it them or san jose or fresno state who was last uh i believe it, i believe it was san jose state where would you put them now after this game because they had one quarter that was really good the rest of it obviously so so not doing much what did you uh where would you put them now i know nobody else has played a game but are they as bad are they as bad as we thought 
Well, I said in the preview that I didn't think that they were because we know that they have some interesting pieces on both sides of the ball. It was a matter of, you know, how those questions, you know, at quarterback, for instance, or, you know, along the defensive line, how that was going to resolve itself one way or the other. As of right now, you know, do we like love didn't really cover himself in glory so i would kind of expect to see both him and montel aaron in the game next week so you know if i mean if i have to answer the question i'm, I'm kind of avoiding it a little bit um i don't know i would say either you know last or next to last until they can get those big questions answered okay that's fair because they they did pretty good in the first quarter so when they it's just after that, things fell off. I, they moved the ball. The defense played better than I thought in making plays. So I would say they're probably still at the bottom, but it wouldn't surprise me if they maybe, maybe like me surprised by them is getting three wins instead of like two or one, essentially. But when you put – and let me ask you another reverse this again. Was South Florida that bad? Are they Should they be ranked the top 20 team? Because San Jose State San – Jose, honestly, San Jose State's probably what – at best, a hundred hundred rated team this year. When it's all said and done, if that, if they struggle against the Spartans, how are they going to play against like Illinois, who's not very good, or when they start playing Houston, Temple, Navy in the American Conference? That's kind of what I've maintained all along. I don't see that there's that huge of a gulf between a team like South Florida and say, you know, Colorado State, or even though they have yet to play. Like I've said the same thing about San Diego State and Boise State. Like you know. Why is it that this that South Florida was getting votes to be a top twenty team in the AP and the coaches poll, where our teams here in the Mountain West were getting stuck with you know also receiving votes? You know what I mean? And I think that this I'll tell you why Quentin Flowers. That's why it's the only reason why Quentin Flowers. Yeah, and so I think that you know Colorado State definitely gave the voters something to think about yesterday, and I expect that when we start talking about you know, San, San Diego State in their opener, Boise State in their opener versus Troy, that they'll probably do the same thing. And so we'll see how it shakes out. And it'll be especially interesting to see how it shakes out in this first month in non-conference play. So would you still put South Florida as the team to beat, I guess, overall for that coveted spot? No, I never have. Okay. Would you, okay, I, I assume we're on the same page, CSU, much better game than South Florida, right? Based on opponent and production. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you the opposite question. CSU. Cause you, who is your conference pick? You picked, um, who's your conference championship pick? I, I honestly don't know if I ever made like a concrete championship pick because I had San Diego state and Colorado state in the championship game. I don't remember if I ever declared a winner. Okay. That's all I want to know. The championship game. I was going to ask you if it changed your opinion of, would you say, the Rams are any better than you predicted it, but if they're going to win the be in the conference title game and win the mountain, it's not much higher you can really project them at the moment. Yeah. Anything else you want to add from this weekend slate of games? Since we'll, we'll only have three, we got twelve next week, so we got a lot of work to do. Can we just give a shout out to the people at UMass for making the live stream available to everybody for free? Yeah, I, I guess I was talking to guy Matt Sazmarak, who does. If you follow him on Twitter, he does a lot of TV stuff for sports. I guess every UMass home game is going to be streamed live, partly because they don't have a TV deal because they're independent, but that's a big deal because it was on in Hawaii, but in the mainland, it's like, how are we going to watch it? Unless you had that 11 Sports Channel or Nesson in the area, you couldn't watch it. So we appreciate that very much. 
and it was a good quality, good audio, good commentary from the guys there. And it was a good camera angle, which sometimes you can't always get. Ask the uh, CBS network guys who were faked out a couple times on some Rams plays. That's true. You want to know what my favorite part of the whole weekend was? What's that? I saw this pop up, and then people saw it later. I'm like, okay, whatever. Did you see the Oregon State play card? Oh, the crying Jordan? I saw it for a second. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't follow up after the next play or two where they fumbled it right after. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. I just I just saw the play card. I'm like, okay, that's 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 kind of odd. That's cool. Because they also had Ninja Turtle play card on there as well. And then they coughed it up. So fitting end to the uh, that game, I would say. Or whenever it happened. I don't remember. I think it was second half when I noticed that. There you go. <laughs> that's our uh, recap for the week. We are at a brisk 40 minutes for this. And this is only three games. We're going to, like we said, we have to tighten this up next week. So we have games next week starting Friday night with, uh, we'll get those later, but Colorado, Colorado State. Uh, then you also have Utah State, Wisconsin. Our preview show will be Wednesday night. So look forward to that. We will also break up, break up the podcast like we did last week. And then also I'm going to be chatting with, uh, we're going to talk, I'll give a Wisconsin chats with uh, Jake Kukorowski later today that'll be up this week and also talking with our guy Jeremy Harper about Boise State and Troy for kind of some side podcast very nice look for that I guess too you can't avoid us anymore why would you want to though exactly so check us out mwcwire.com Facebook Twitter if you want to throw it through bucks for us at Patreon I'd appreciate if you give up that big coffee and give it to us for a month three bucks one dollar I don't care right <laughs> You're going to help us do awesome things if you do that for us. Yes, that would be amazing. So it's just a patreon.com backslash MWCWire. Those who have been helping us out so far, we appreciate it. It's been awesome. Thank you for that stuff. And that's all we got today. So as always, yeah, we're biased against your team.